The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. As you just heard, as always, presented by our 501c3 nonprofit Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan. It is great to be with you. And I come to you uh, on this episode, our 44th total, but for some of you, it's the very first one that you are hearing. I come to you admitting up front that I am... Uh, a victim of rote behavior. In other words, I get into a pattern of doing things, and sometimes it is very difficult for me to break that pattern. For instance, I almost said, welcome to another Sunday, which for some of you would be appropriate. But for many of you joining us for the first time today via the Life FM network, you're getting the radio show on Saturday mornings at 7 a.m. in your local market. So I want to welcome all of you to this family that we call the Dan Scott Show and hope and pray that by the time this first episode is done, you will be willing to come back for a second episode and then a third and beyond. We have been doing this since January the 8th. We have had uh, just a fantastic run of guests And the premise of this show is God still works in people's lives. And we have had so many stories uh, of the redemptive power of Jesus Christ that I will encourage you and tell you later how you can go back into the archives and hear some of those other stories. But I am one of those stories. Up until a little over 11 years ago, my life was an absolute shambles, wrecked by alcohol and pornography and unfaithfulness to my wife and all of those other things. So for some of you today, what you're going to hear on this edition of the show is a testimony of mine that you have heard before. For many of you, this will be the first time that you have heard who I am, and what God has done in my life. And and I'm doing that intentionally for our Life FM network audience joining us for the first time. I want you to know who this guy is that sits in here every week and brings on these guests and tells you these stories because I don't want you to miss that God did a miracle in my life just like he's done in the lives of so many other people. So, For our Life FM network people, you're going to be hearing this for the first time. For our other affiliates, many of you have heard this before. Some of you may be hearing it for the first time. But when we come back, you're going to hear my testimony on this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. But first, a word about Grand Slam Ministries. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little, and sometimes nothing, until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. 
That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play, to study, to live. Please visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's grandslamministries.org. Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now, back to the show. Hi, welcome back. Let's get things really cranked up on this week's edition of the show. Just a reminder for those of you who have been with us for a while, and a heads up for our new audience from the Life FM Network. You can find out more about what we do by going to the website, danscottshow.org, danscottshow.org, and the Grand Slam Ministries site is actually a page there, grandslamministries.org. You can get to the same place by going to either side. My bio is there, more about what we are doing with Grand Slam Ministries and what we to be able to do with our core missions once we are fully funded as a 501c3 nonprofit. And uh, the Affiliates and Archives page, you can find out where the show airs live, the station and time every week, and you can go back and you can listen to all of the previous episodes that we've done. They are all archived there. If Searching a podcast site is your thing. You'd rather do that. Just search The Dan Scott Show on your favorite podcast site because I promise you we are everywhere. All right. As I mentioned, because we are opening up a a new audience today, 23 new radio stations have joined us via the Life FM network. I just want to take this week to share my testimony. Again, I want you to know who I am, but more importantly, what Jesus Christ has done in my life. Because without him, I promise you, I would not be sitting here today talking to you. He did a miracle in my life, and you're going to hear about that over the course of the next 40 minutes or so. This uh, talk actually came from just about a month ago uh, at a, a men's association meeting here where I live in the upstate of South Carolina. It was an honor to speak to uh, about 100 men from varying churches around our area. And uh, I started that talk by sharing a little bit about my background and what I'm doing now from an employment standpoint. Jay Farmer and his gang did a great job with the spaghetti. It was fantastic. Uh, Very quickly, just a a little bit about what I'm doing. I'm in my 13th year now as the... uh, Director of Broadcasting and The Voice at Furman uh, University. Just wrapped up my fifth year uh, as the voice of the Greenville Drive, the Boston Red Sox high A minor league affiliate. And some of you may be old enough to remember when I was on the air at Clemson doing the uh, daily talk show I did for 11 years and doing um, Clemson baseball. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. My wife and I, uh, Angela, just celebrated our 34th wedding anniversary. We have uh, two beautiful daughters both married to men named Zach. We're Baptists, not Mormons. It's not the same guy. Two different guys. And uh, we have three grandchildren and a fourth one on the way in January. So uh, be praying for us about that. 
problem you guys have tonight is they've turned the microphone over to somebody who talks for three hours at a time. And it reminds me of a story that Billy Graham used to tell quite often during his crusades about a, a guy who was invited to come to uh, a conference and speak. And he was going to be the first speaker of a group of speakers. And he was told he'd have 20 minutes. So the day comes and he gets up and he starts speaking and 20 minutes comes and goes. 30 minutes comes and goes. 45 minutes comes and goes. It's like reading one of Chuck Hinkie's emails. and just keeps going and going and going. And finally, the moderator who's sitting behind him can't take it anymore. And he picked up the gavel and he fired it at the back of the guy's head. But he missed. And he hit a lady sitting in the front row right between the eyes. Just laid her out. She's laying flat on her back, staring at the ceiling. Blood coming out of her forehead. And they rush to her. Sister, sister, are you okay? Cradling her head. And she lifts her head up and she says, I can still hear him. Hit me again. So hopefully nobody is hitting anybody here tonight. Um, as a launching point, I want to start by reading Luke 12, verse 2. And as we go on, you'll see why this verse is relevant. But Luke 12, 2 says that there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. And my dad is a pastor and preacher. Uh, he's been doing it for over 50 years, 75 years old and, and still going. So David, you know he loves it when I stand behind a pulpit in church and quote Van Halen. But there's a line in one of their songs that says, Only time will tell if we stand the test of time. Pretty deep, especially coming from a rock and roll band. But man, aren't you glad today that the one who truly stands the test of time is the one who transcends time? The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because of that, His Word never loses relevance. The applications from the Bible are just as timely now as they were when they were written under the influence of the Holy Spirit all those years ago. So what I want to do tonight is spend a few minutes sharing some thoughts on one of my favorite stories out of the Bible and, and actually one of my favorite Billy Graham messages about the life of Solomon. Solomon, as you know, was the son of King David and succeeded him as king of Israel. And I believe he was about 22 years old when he ascended to the throne. And when he became king, God spoke to him in a dream. And he said, Solomon, ask of me anything you want and I'll give it to you. Now, he asked Dan Scott that, man, I got a list. Am I the only one? I thought I was. Okay. Solomon's credit, though, what did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. And God, who we know always keeps his promises, granted Solomon that wisdom. And then because he didn't ask for the other stuff, he didn't ask for money or power or anything selfish, God gave him all of those things. Now we know that as his life went on, those things became an issue in his life. But I want to focus on just this part of his story right now. How smart was Solomon? In 1 Kings 4.30, we read that Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. Rulers came from all over the world to hear Solomon speak because word of his wisdom had traveled. And they all came away mesmerized. The Queen of the South said that only half of Solomon's wisdom had been told. 
Solomon also became the richest man who ever lived. The Bible says his yearly take in gold was 666 talents. And by some estimations in today's economy, that's over a billion dollars a year. He had over 40,000 horses. The throne he sat on was made of solid ivory, was overlaid with pure gold. He built the most spectacular temple of worship ever constructed. And it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It took 150,000 men seven years to build this temple. And he overlaid the temple with pure gold, including the floor. Let's see if we can get our finance committee on that here at Utica. He built incredible gardens, ate the most exotic foods. He drank the finest wine from golden cups. He was the greatest military leader in the world at that time. No foreign country dared attack Israel because of their military strength. And men, in modern terminology, was Solomon a player? 700 wives and 300 concubines. And we've got some young folks in here. Concubine is one of those biblical words for mistress or side hustle. 1,000 women to do whatever he asked, sexual or otherwise. So guys, Solomon had it all. I mean, literally, he had it all. And you'd think because of that, he would be the happiest, the most satisfied person in the world. But he wasn't. You read Ecclesiastes and and Solomon lays out everything I've just told you and more. He had every material and sensual pleasure any man or woman can want. And yet at the end of it all, what did he say? Vanity of vanity. All is vanity. He said it was all meaningless. It was a bubble that burst. None of it meant anything to him. And we have to ask the question, why? Why? Because in the process of gaining all of those things, he lost the one thing that mattered the most. And that was his relationship with God. So as I read the story about Solomon and I hear Billy Graham's message, I find myself nodding my head in agreement because I can relate. I uh, grew up in a Christian home, just like Solomon did. My dad, as I mentioned, has been a pastor and a preacher for over 50 years. And it's the old preacher's son joke about having the drug problem. Every time the church doors were open, I was drug inside. I had the proper upbringing. I knew right from wrong. I saw firsthand what a Christian marriage was supposed to be between my mother and my father. And yet in my own marriage, as a husband and a father, I failed over and over and over. We just detailed that Solomon tried it all. And as I got older, guys, I tried as much of it as I could. I chased money. It became a God in my life for one stretch of four or five years. In the old talk show days, I was pulling in close to $90,000 a year. May not be a lot of money to you, but it was to my wife and I. And yet practically every month we struggled to make the house payment. Why? Because I was wasting it, trying to find something to satisfy that empty feeling that I had in here. I drank too much. It's not a joking matter, but I got to the point that I was spelling drink with a U instead of an I. 
I used to joke about that. I battled an addiction to pornography that got worse and worse and worse every day, every week, every month, and every year. And I don't know what the studies show about the correlation between alcohol and pornography. I'm sure that there is one. And I know in my life there was. And isn't it interesting that the Bible has something to say about practically everything? And I had I'd read the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, however you pronounce it, before. But until I heard Alistair Begg this week doing a sermon on chapter 2 out of the book of Habakkuk, I, I just missed this verse. But in, in chapter 2, verse 15, he says... Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him into your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. This was a problem how many thousands of years ago? There's nothing new under the sun. And by the way, just as an aside, I don't know what the statistics are now, but it used to be not too many years ago, that even in the church, roughly one out of every three men had an issue with pornography. Something that we need to talk about. Something that we need to be addressing. I'm not proud of this, but I cheated on my wife, Angela, multiple times, both physically and emotionally. Drug joke aside, the one barrier that I put up for myself was... I did not have a drug problem. I experimented with marijuana three times in my life. The first two times did nothing. The third time had such an effect on me, I swore I'd never do it again. And because of the radio show and Clemson baseball on the radio at that time, I had small town celebrity status. And believe me guys, when I tell you that I used that to my advantage every chance that I could. And again, the Bible is so good at cutting through all of this stuff and getting right to the heart of things. Not quite a year ago, I was preparing to, to speak at, at my buddy Brad Atkins' church up in Enman. And my daily Bible reading had me in the book of Jude. Now, I know we've got different pastors here. I'm not going to test your flock by asking them publicly if they know how many books or any, how many chapters are in the book of Jude. But Jude 1.16 says this. This is a New King James Version. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. Guys, that's the Bible describing who I was. I was trying all of those things to fill that hole in here, but none of it mattered because nothing satisfied me. And you have to go back to my childhood to start piecing a lot of this together. I had a great childhood for the most part, but when I was somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or eight years old, I was sexually abused by a group of older boys who lived in the area where my grandmother did. And it happened uh, on multiple occasions until one man found out what was happening and spoke up and put a stop to it. And I didn't realize it then, but one of the effects that it had on me was it warped my view of sex. And I found out later in life it had a lot of other effects on me. But the biggest one was just this, 
massive sense of insecurity. And it plagued me all through my years growing up, all through school, and and to a certain extent, I even battle it some today, which surprises people because of my job. Thankfully, it's not the battle that it used to be, but it will still crop up from time to time. For much of the first 22 years of my life, of uh, my marriage rather, I was leading a double life. I developed dual personalities. My favorite television show was MASH. Any MASH fans in the house? Don't want to make anybody feel old, but that show debuted 51 years ago last month on television. And I became very much like Hawkeye Pierce. Loud, wisecracking, practical joker that kept the public persona here so nobody could see what was going on in here. Out here was Dan Scott. And as long as people saw this guy, nobody saw Daniel. And this was going on the entire time that I was on the air at at the Clemson station, WCCP, doing the talk show. And while Dan Scott was hosting that show and and doing fundraising and impacting the community in positive ways, and we were, the 11 years I was on the air, just in my time slot, we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for charity. In fact, I, I think Joe had to leave, but shortly after Joe got hired here, it was before I even started coming here, we, we put a family, a homeless family, in a home here in Seneca, prepaid a year's rent, furnished the house right at Christmas time, mother and three kids. It was amazing. Did all kinds of great work. But see, none of it mattered because, I mean, it mattered to them, but it wasn't filling that, that hole here. Because behind the scenes, while Dan Scott was doing that, Daniel was doing all that other stuff. Searching for peace. And no matter what I tried, guys, that emptiness was still there and, and it was eating me up on the inside. And to the outside world, I was a great husband and father, an upstanding member of the community. But see, they couldn't see what was going on in here. They couldn't see that Angela and I weren't communicating. They couldn't see that I wasn't modeling what a Christian father looks like to my two daughters. I couldn't. They couldn't see the nights that I literally lay in bed crying, looking for a way out of the mess that I had made of not just my life, but of my family's lives. But again, isn't it interesting? You keep coming back to the word. What does the Bible tell us in Proverbs 22, 6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he gets old, he won't depart from it. All of the time, day after day, month after month, year after year, when I was doing all of that stuff, guys, I knew that I was wrong. I knew that I needed Christ in my life. I knew that I needed to change. But I kind of use the alliteration of, of the Apostle Paul when he had his Damascus Road moment. He had the scales in his eyes and he couldn't physically see. But we have the same situation spiritually and we can get those spiritual scales in our eyes and we can't see. And that's where I was, desensitized to the Holy Spirit and all these other things. But, but I knew, 
I knew, I knew. But see, Satan is pretty devious. I mean, he's good at his job. And I don't know what it's like in many of your churches or, or any of your churches. But it, uh, we've gotten to the point now, it seems like, in the big church that we don't even say Satan's name anymore. He's a powerful foe. And he knows what he's doing. And the analogy I like to use for me is that he kept giving me rope. You, you guys have heard that, right? You want to go drink? Here's some rope. You want to go look at something you shouldn't on the internet? Here's some rope. You want to go mess with another man's wife? Here's some rope. And you think you're having a good time. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But what happens, before you know it, the devil has taken that rope. And he's got you bound hand and foot. And he's in control. And there's nothing within your human strength that you can do to break those bonds. And men, I tried. I promise you I tried. I, I swore I would never look at that stuff again. And I would have a few weeks, sometimes even a few months of success. And then he would jerk that rope. And I was right back into it. Same thing with cheating on my wife. Same thing with drinking. And I used to have these imaginary conversations with the devil, which tells you where I was, right? And, and he would say, you're right. You do need to give your life to Christ. Let's not ever underestimate the fact that Satan knows who Jesus is. And he knows the scriptures. Because when he tempted Jesus, what did he do? He tried to twist scripture, didn't he? But he would say, yeah, you do need to give your life to Christ. But to do that, you're going to have to tell your wife what you've been doing. You're going to have to tell your children. You're going to have to tell your church. I was going to church. I was going here. You've got to tell your radio audience, your parents. Everybody's going to know what a fraud you've been. And are you ready for that to happen? And for a long time, unfortunately, the answer was no. Then God started working. Guys, aren't you glad that we have a God who pursues us? Amen. And when I say pursues, man, he pulled the rug out from under me and sent me flipping head over heels cartoon style. In rapid succession, I lost the talk show. I lost a baseball broadcasting job. I lost my status in the community. My double life was found out by my wife and kids. Just... Boom, 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 boom. Just like that. It blew up twice at home. December 23rd of 2011 was the first time. We started going to counseling. A wonderful Christian counselor named Kim McManus. That's a, another story. I don't have time to go into all the details. But I would leave that counseling, those counseling sessions and then go do the other stuff. I wanted to... I wanted to get better, but that pull was still too strong. 
June 9th of 2012, it blew up again. And guys, that's when the scales fell off my eyes. That's when I finally realized that I was about to lose everything and everyone that I loved. And we all have these indelible moments burned in our memory. And I'll never forget this. My children were disgusted with me. My oldest daughter, she's getting married in six weeks. She goes flying out of the house, gets in her car. She's going to go to her fiance's house. And our driveway slopes down to the road. She got to the bottom of it, slammed on the brakes. The car skidded to a halt. She flung the door open. She marched back up the driveway where I was standing. And she pointed a finger in my face. And she said, you can forget about walking me down the aisle. Got in her car, drove off. Now I have to circle back because I tell that story sometimes and I forget to say that by the grace of God, six weeks later, I did get to walk her down the aisle. But we're coming to that. Guys, God knew I wasn't going to tell everybody how I'd been living. So He did it for me. He exposed me to the world. As I said, I finally realized... I was on the verge of losing the woman I loved. I was on the verge of losing my daughters. And more importantly, if I didn't make a change in my life, I was destined to spend eternity in hell. I had hit bottom. But you see, sometimes that's what it takes. Because, guys, I got so low that the only place that I could look was up. And when I did, that's when I saw Jesus and he was standing there with his arms wide open. And he was saying, son, come home. Come home. And on June 10th of 2012, sitting in my parents' living room, I drove up. I wanted to talk to my dad. I did. I gave my life to Christ that morning. And it's the best decision that I've ever made. He changed me, guys. He forgave me. Do you hear what I'm saying? He changed me. And nothing that Satan says or does can change that. And that's one of his favorite tricks once somebody gives their life to Christ. He likes to tell you, are you sure? All that stuff you did in the past, you don't No, This can't be real. Remember the person you used to be? Well, guys, the Bible says that God, when He forgives us, He has the... Ability to forget. We don't understand that, but I'm thankful because even today, 11 years later, something will happen and it'll bring a memory back of the life I was leading or the person I was. God doesn't see that. I'm forgiven. And I hear people say all the time, well, you know, I know God's forgiven me, but I, I can't forgive myself. Randall, I want to grab him and shake him. And you're telling me that your standards are higher than God's. You're forgiven, man. I'd like to tell you that in the 11 years and few months since giving my life to Christ, that my life has been trouble free without a care in the world. I'd like to tell you that. I can't. 
Because you guys know that. I don't have to, to tell you. Nobody's going to kid you. Living the Christian life's not easy. And we've got a lot of people out there today who are preaching an easy gospel. Who are telling anybody who will listen that if you come to Christ, all your troubles are going to go away. Physical, financial. And they'll especially go away if you drop a little, little something in the money box on your way out the door. Another sermon for another time, David. Well, my life hadn't been that way, guys. Satan's on the attack. This country's more anti-Christian now than it's ever been. Our values are under attack more than at any time in our nation's history. And some of the things our kids are being taught in school would have landed you in jail just a few years ago. We don't even know what bathroom to use anymore. Now, I know those are strong words, and they're certainly accurate words. But one thing I have to say before moving on, we're not going to change anybody's mind, much less win the loss to Christ by acting the way we see Christians acting on television or social media. We must tell the truth. And for those of us who go to Utica, how many times has Pastor Ryan stood behind this pulpit and said, Got your bingo cards out. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We have to tell the truth, but we have to do it with love in our hearts. And too often we come across these situations and our solution is to throw some Bible at them and walk away with a sense of self-righteousness like, hey, I won that one. But we have to be willing to have real heartfelt conversations with people and we live in a day and age where we've forgotten that half of a conversation is listening and I still believe this with the bottom of my heart if someone knows you care enough to listen they're more likely to listen to you so we have to tell the truth but we have to tell it with love Easy preaching and hard living, right, Randall? Guys, all of this, all of this is why I'm so passionate about where God has brought me in the last couple of years into this ministry, Grand Slam Ministries. I don't have time to go into how it became about, but let's just say that the IRS told us to get the nonprofit status. It was going to take six to eight months. God got it done in six weeks. And that was the last of several obstacles that got knocked down. What will Grand Slam Ministries do? SLAM is an acronym for Serve, Love, and Mentor. The first of our core missions is going to be mentorship. Men are being emasculated in society today. And we have to lead young men to Christ and teach them how to be strong Christian men. And then we have to teach those men how to be strong Christian husbands, fathers, and leaders in our church and our community. Did you know that according to the U.S. Census Bureau in 2020, the absence of a father in the home means that a child is four times at greater risk for poverty, seven times more likely to become a pregnant teen, two times more likely to drop out of high school, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, more likely to commit a crime, and more likely to go to prison. 
That's from the U.S. government. The same government that's doing everything it can right now to tell us that the traditional family is no longer important. And as Christian men, we are in dangerous territory if we neglect our responsibilities. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. There are men in our churches, in our communities, who need help. You know, when I got saved, and, and I was already coming to this church, but really got engaged in the church, you know, my life was in a mess. I'm trying to put relationships back together. I'm unemployed. I'm trying to find, find my way in, in so many different ways. And there were men in this church who came alongside me. And yeah, there was some financial help, but more than that, they, they did everything from helping me revamp my resume and work on job hunting skills and taking what they had learned in their long, successful careers and helping me to get myself back together. There are men in our churches and our communities who need that kind of support. The middle school and high school boys that we come in contact with need guidance. Spiritual guidance. I've spoken to the middle schoolers at this church a couple of times in the past year and a half, two years. and They're going through a lot, guys. More than any of us ever dreamed of. I mean, my two daughters have been out of school for a long time now, but they told me that even then they face more junk in middle school than they did in high school. And we've done enough talking about it. It's time to do something about it. And Cale, our youth minister, I'm standing here before these men and I'm standing here before God and I'm committing to you that we're going to have a conversation and we're going to lay the groundwork to some kind of mentorship program here with the men at Utica Baptist and make a pilot program perhaps that we can spread to other churches. And just one other thought on mentorship. I've been talking about men, but the women in your churches need to be doing the same thing with the young ladies. The other core mission, or the second one, will be working with children. You know there are children right here in this community who leave school on Friday and don't eat again until they come home on, or they get back on Monday. And again, this is according to the U.S. Census Bureau. There's supposed to be a graphic up there, and even if there is, I don't know how well you can see the graphic. But according to the U.S. Census Bureau, there are more children living below the poverty line in the state of South Carolina than the national average. And that is every single racial and ethnic background and category, none excluded. Our kids need food and other necessities, basics that will give them the best chance to flourish instead of becoming just another statistic. And then all of this is coming together with our third core mission and the one that's actually up and running right now with the radio show that's been on the air since January the 8th, cleverly titled The Dan Scott Show, so I don't forget the name. Right now we're on 13 affiliates, and I've got more about that in a moment. But God's blessed me, guys, with the ability to communicate effectively. He's given me access to people from all walks of life. Professional athletes, nationally known celebrities, 
But more importantly, everyday people like you and me who have a story to tell, God is still doing miracles in people's lives today. We're seeing changes in people's lives that only Jesus can bring about. And those stories are not being told in the mainstream media. The radio show, we're 39 episodes in and we're telling those stories. We've had so far... In shows that have aired, just as an example, three atheists who have come to Christ, two of them cultural Jews. One of them is a pastor, a campus pastor of a church in Atlanta. And I got two more on the hook that are coming up in November. Some of you may know the name J. Warner Wallace, who wrote the book Cold Case Christianity. He's a uh, police officer, investigator, detective, atheist. And he went uh, searching for evidence about the resurrection, and by golly, he found it. And then Lee Strobel, who wrote The Case for Christ. Those guys are both going to be on my radio show coming up. The show's also serving as a way to highlight these other issues that we've discussed. Mentorship and helping children and drawing attention to those needs and raising money to either start programs or come alongside existing programs to combat these issues. So... As we get into wrap-up mode here, I want to ask you three questions. First of all, number one, do you believe that our teenage boys and adult men need to be mentored in a biblical way? Do you believe that? Number two, do you believe that we as Christians must make a commitment to make sure that our children have not just the necessities, but more than that, to keep them from becoming another statistic? Do you believe that? And thirdly, do you believe that God is still on the throne and He's still working in the lives of men and women today? Do you believe that? a lot of amens and a lot of head nodding in here. I'm asking you guys to come alongside me with Grand Slam Ministries and just a few things that you can do very quickly if we can go to the next slide. Number one, you can pray. Everybody can pray. And the big one is that God leads and I follow because when it's the other way around, things go horribly wrong. Number two, we're still looking for uh, someone who can do some grant writing. I finally figured out that I can't do everything. We need help there. Uh, I need somebody who can help us with the website because we've got some significant changes that need to be made. And then, yes, we need financial support. Individuals, corporations, churches. And I'm not going to stand behind the pulpit and talk a lot about money. If I do, my dad will come in here and start flipping tables over like Jesus did in the temple. So we're not going to go down that road. But um, I'll have some information later if you'd like to, to talk about how you can help us out. I did say quickly about the radio show, uh, and you know, God works in mysterious ways, guys. When we first started, I mentioned we're on 13 affiliates, six radio stations, seven internet affiliates, and our big flagship station is 94.5 The Answer, WGTK, the political talk station. We're on Sundays from 7 to 8 p.m. Well, a month ago, I got a phone call and was told that that station has been sold. And my last show there will be on October the 22nd. So I said, God, what are you doing? I mean, you opened all these doors for this to happen. Where are we going? Well, I'll tell you where we're going. Today I signed a piece of paper that, starting on November 4th, is going to launch this show into 22 over-the-air radio stations around the country. Markets like Chicago and Indianapolis. And, and I'm stepping out in faith, just like I did a year ago. Trusting that God's going to provide what we need to be able to do this.
but he closed one door and he opened another. So those are all things you can pray about. All right, here we go. We're going to wrap up. I don't know the hearts of everybody here today, so I'm going to wrap this up the same way I do when I speak and to give my testimony at churches. By the way, that's the other thing you can pray about. More opportunities to go share what God has done in my life at churches around the area and beyond. But I want to circle back to where we started. If you haven't heard anything I've said, I want you to hear this. I'm not standing here today if it's not for the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I firmly believe that Angela and I would be divorced and I'd likely be dead if I hadn't given my life to him. And we began tonight talking about King Solomon. At the end of Ecclesiastes, he said, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And then in the final two verses of that same chapter, Solomon brought it all home. He said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. And we've got some young folks in here. And I'll let you decide what's young, 9 or 90, or anywhere in between. But listen to me. Nothing you do escapes the eyes of God. You can hide things from your friends. You can hide things from your family. You can hide things from your teachers, your coaches, your boss. You can even hide them from your pastor. But God sees everything. And I can still see my dad standing behind that pulpit in that small church in West Virginia all those years ago. And I'm sure he's still doing it now. Saying, be sure. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. And they do. And if they haven't already, they will. Solomon had it all, men, but it wasn't enough. I was trying to find peace in the pleasures of the world, but it wasn't enough. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And he wasn't talking about the kind of abundance we've been discussing with Solomon here. He was talking about a spiritual abundance, a life dedicated to him that he'll bless for your faithfulness. Society and culture today bombard all of us, but especially you young guys. With the idea of gaining as much money as you can, as much power as you can, having as much fun as you can, having as much sex as you can. Go big or go home. That's what the world says. But Jesus said, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. The rewards of heaven are far beyond anything on this earth. Far beyond anything that Solomon accumulated. And Jesus will freely give you those rewards if you'll commit your life to him, if you haven't already. Remember a minute ago when we were talking about how anti-Christian the world is today? Should we be surprised? Because Jesus warned that was going to be the case, didn't he? And he says, follow me anyway. Remember what he said in John 16, 33? These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. And then he said, in the world you shall have tribulation. He didn't say you might. He didn't say it's possible. He didn't say it could happen. He said, you will have tribulation. But aren't you glad? There's one more line to that verse. Jesus said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And guys, that's the message. 
Even with all the trouble we have in the world today, Jesus Christ loves you, wants to have that personal relationship with you. He's overcome sin and death and offers you the free gift of salvation. And all you have to do is accept it. Again, I don't know the hearts of everybody here. I hope and pray that everybody in this room is a Christian. But on the off chance that somebody here isn't, tonight's the night that you can settle that once and for all by accepting Christ as your Savior. If you want any information on Grand Slam Ministries, I'll be here after we're done. Thank you for your attention. I'm going to pray and then I guess turn it over to David. Heavenly Father, thank you for the tremendous honor it's been to be here tonight. To gather with these men from all over this association. Different churches as it was said earlier tonight. But one body of Christ. And just pray that for every church that's represented here. For every family that's represented here. That you will bless these men. And help them to become the husbands and fathers and leaders. That you will call us to be. Or if they are to continue down that that trek, no matter what the opposition may be. Bless the rest of our time together and everything we accomplish will give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be back to close out this week's show in just a moment. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, GrandSlamMinistries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is GrandSlamMinistries.org. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at DanScottShow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. All right, we are back with a quick final segment to put a wrap on this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. Hope you enjoyed my testimony, and I just want to reiterate what I said to the men at the Beaver Dam Association that... A, aren't you thankful for a God who pursues us? And B, nothing that I'm doing now would be possible without Jesus Christ because I know if I had not given my life to him on June 10th of 2012, I know that Angela and I would be divorced. And I'm pretty certain that I would be dead because of my behavior and my health at the time. God had other plans. I am so thankful for that. And my goal now is just to do everything I can to share the redemptive grace of Jesus Christ and tell these stories. To that end, the next two weeks, just to let you know what's coming up, a couple of incredible interviews that the Lord has dropped in our lap. Next week, Jay Warner Wallace, and the following week, Lee Strobel. If you know anything about these two gentlemen, they are both former atheists 
who came to Christ in similar but different ways. J. Warner Wallace, a cold case detective, atheist, decided to set out just to see if the resurrection was real using his investigative skills, found out that it was, realized he needed a Savior, came to Christ. He's written a number of books, but the most famous, Cold Case Christianity, which now has an update to it. He'll be next week's guest. The following week, Lee Strobel, who burst onto the Christian scene a number of years ago with his book, The Case for Christ, if you know his story, he was an atheist. His wife, Leslie, got saved. He tried to set out to prove Christianity was a fraud because she got saved and ended up finding out that it's true and becoming a Christian himself. He has a brand new book out called Is God Real? And he'll be our guest in two weeks. Now, my fear with this is that you're going to start expecting high-profile guests like this every week, and I wish I could say we had that kind of access. We don't normally, but God has, has made it possible to talk to these folks. But the thing I love about doing this show, whether it's somebody high-profile or whether it's just an everyday person like you and me, God's redemptive grace is the same. And the miracle that he has done in the lives of all of these people that we have talked about since this show began is just more and more proof that it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you are in life, you are never out of the reach of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? Anyway, J. Warner Wallace next week, Lee Strobel the week after. Can't wait to get into those interviews, and we're working on a lot more beyond that. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with you again next week at the same time. Until then, I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you. So long, everybody. Thank you.